Well, now I'm hungry. I tell you what, though, my culinary techniques have like tripled since we started this series. It's been fantastic. How are we doing? That was a tremendous time of worship. That was, man, God, God is here and he's moving and I hope you don't, I hope you don't take mornings like that for granted. I hope you don't take uh, times like this together um, as just something that's common and that happens all the time. It's, it's a special thing, and uh, we are blessed, and God is with us this morning, isn't he? Oh, well, it's good to be back. I'm excited to be back and to be on stage and to be preaching again, and um, really, really, uh, whenever I miss for a few weeks, I am, I'm, like, I'm going to be, I apologize to the camera person, because I'm just going to be like, woo, all over back and forth here, so thanks. Um, but I've heard that you guys have had some great preaching while I've been away. And, uh, like, legitimately, I've heard that. Was actually here last week for Natalie. Yeah. That, I mean, Natalie, some, this girl walked up on stage and just started cracking jokes and then went deep into the word. And some of you are like, who is this? Like, some of you met Natalie for the first time last week. And that was awesome. Really, really, really good. Uh, and this is a little bit crazy, but, like, one month from today, we are into the fall. We are into our fall series one month from today. That is crazy, and, and I'm really excited about our fall series. We're not going to do kind of like a one-day Vision Sunday and kind of the, what we've done the last few years. It's going to be a little different, and it's going to be more of a vision series. And we're going to take a few weeks to talk about, uh, well, you'll find out, and it's going to be good. And I'm really excited about it. It is only a month away, and, and church, I believe that we are entering into a significant season of ministry as a church. I, I believe that God is going to do some big things this fall and that he is going to use this season to propel us into a new place and, and he's going to do some new things and I am really excited and looking forward to it and I hope that you guys are as well. We are only two months away from launching our Southside campus. <laughs> We're just two months away. Woo! That's crazy. That's crazy. And uh, I'm incredibly excited about that. And the potential that this has for the city of Fredericton, for what our church can do, the way God wants to use us, um, I, I think is enormous. And I hope that you really believe that. I hope that you know the reason behind why we're launching a campus is because we feel like God has led us to launch this campus because God is leading us into a season where we're going to see more and more people show up and find Jesus and the kingdom is going to flourish in the city of Fredericton. I believe that. I hope that you guys believe that. And, and two months away, we're going to launch this and we need you to be doing four things for this fall. Okay, so this is, this is pre-sermon, okay? I've been away, you owe me. You owe me extra time on stage. Four things that we need you guys to be doing big time in this next month, and, month or two and headed into the fall. The first thing we need you guys to be doing is praying. And, and I hope you know that when we say that, we don't say it because that's the cliche church thing to say. Pastor should tell us to pray. You should all pray. We often use prayer as kind of just the, us, oh, the church, you think. No, we need you on your knees fervently praying for your church. We, we need you to pray for your staff team. We need you to pray for the city of Fredericton. We need you to pray that, that when we do church, God shows up and speaks and does the supernatural things that we are incapable of doing. 
We need you to pray that people will find Jesus. We need you to pray that lives will be transformed. We need you to pray protection from the enemy who doesn't want to see us get anywhere. He wants to see us fail hard this fall. The, the most important thing you can do for us is pray. And so I hope you take time every day and, and pray for your church. The second thing we need you to do is to serve. Uh, we're about to enter in, this is, we're, we're just a little weird and crazy. And this fall, we're like a month away from a Saturday night service, two Sunday morning services, and an entirely other church campus on the south side. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we're doing it because, again, we believe God is calling us to do this. But it will not happen if we don't all step up and help carry the load. It just won't. It won't work. Every one of those services, every one of those campuses needs greeters and coffee people and kids ministry and media and sound. It, it, we need everyone to find a place to say, I don't just go to this church. I serve at this church. I'm a part of what's going on at this church. And so there's going to be some really practical, easy ways for you to find out how you can get plugged in and serve. And we're really looking for some, we, we need to get a whole bunch more people on board and serving at the church this fall. Are you with me? Is everyone okay? Okay, so pray, serve. We need you to give. Um, the bottom line really is that ministry costs money. To do what we do, it, it, there's a financial part that comes with it, and, and I'm not saying that in any way to alleviate that the biblical call is for all of us to tithe regardless, whether we needed the money or not, right? You understand that. But we also know that, that what we're doing is, is we're going above and beyond, and so we're asking people to give. Uh, we have asked for about $35,000 to help us launch. Really, what we're doing is we're church planting on the south side. So everything that we have here, we need over there, and you have to buy that. So that's like full kids ministry, and, and that's everything from play pens and toys to their check-in materials, to signage, to sound systems and speakers and wires and cords and microphones and coffee and, and the whole nine yards, as well as actually paying the theater to be there for nine weeks. And so 35 might actually be low, I don't know, but what we need you guys to do is to step up and say, I believe in this so much, I believe that we are going to reach people, I believe that the kingdom is going to grow through this, and so I'm going to give to that. Right? We're giving to vision, we're, we're giving to something that God has called us to do. And so right now we're at about $17,800, which is great, that's a good number, but that's about halfway. And so... We need people to, to give accordingly to this campus. And when you give, you, you need to write that on the envelope or however you're giving, let us know that that's what you're giving to so that it doesn't just go into undesignated and we'll use it to pay the power bill or something. You understand? So pray, serve, give. Um, and then we need you to bring. That's not invite. We need you to bring. We need you to get the word out that there is a church in the city that I, I bet there are literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people in our city who would come to a church like this if, we knew, if they knew it existed, right? And, and we're, we're going over to them, to the other side. Some of those people that won't walk into a church might walk into a theater. Some of those people that can't get across the river, and we have a lot of them, they'll, they'll be able to get to the theater. And so we need you to get the word out for us. We need you to bring some people. And when I say bring, what I mean is that you don't just, hey, y'all should come to the church. Well, I don't really have a way. Well, good luck. I'm like, no, like, bring them. 
Pick them up. Sit with them. And so we need you to get the word out that, that we're going to be doing church this fall. I mean, we're doing church now. You should be getting the word out now. But uh, God, is, God is up to something, Crosspoint. And we're right in the middle of it, and it's exciting days. And so he's asking us to do these four things. Can you pray? Can you serve? Can you give? And, and can you bring some people? What happens if we don't do those things? I feel like we would end up with much less than what God is calling us to do. That we would be settling for something way less than, than the vision and the call that God has put on our lives. And uh, so we're excited about this. We're, we're doing it whether you do all those things. We're going to do the theater whether you give or not. And so where's the nursery? Well, it's the butter machine. Right? The kids love it. It's been great. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do it anyway. And we're expecting God to show up and it's going to be awesome. Bottom line is this, we are a church that has a great past. True? And I believe that we are a church that has a great future. And so I'm excited about this, I'm excited about the fall, and I hope that you guys are as well. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to start. Uh, right now, we have a team on a bus headed to New York City. They're probably in Maine, because it takes four years to drive through Maine, so... They're in Maine on a bus right now, and so we want to pray for them, we want to pray for us, and uh, just make sure that God is speaking with us today. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much. You are obviously here today. I mean, you're here all the time, um, but, but we can sense your presence, and we know that you're speaking and moving, and so we thank you. Um, God, I just pray right now for the New York City team as they travel. I pray that you would give them um, just an awesome trip. I pray they'd get there safely, that everything would go well. I pray that those times on the bus would be times where they're being unified and strengthened as a team. God, I just pray that you would use them this week to do incredible kingdom work. May they all come back absolutely changed and fired up for your kingdom. And for this morning, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would move, that you would do what only you can do, that as we bring to you our abilities, whether it's preaching, whether it's listening, whether it's worshiping, whatever that is, God, it, it's all really ultimately empty if you're not in it. And so I pray that as I preach, you would speak. And I pray that as everyone listens, that you would help them listen and that you would do some incredible things today. You are so good and we're so blessed and we pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So we are in a series called Life Hacks. Obviously, we've been learning some practical things that you can incorporate into your life so to make your walk with Christ all the more effective and, and good, gooder is the word we're using, which is great. Um, and so we've been walking through a bunch of these things today. The one I want to talk about today is something that we all know is valuable and we all know that it's good and we all celebrate it, but we, we're bad at it and we don't like to do it, which is true really for a lot of church-related things sometimes. Uh, so my question for you today is how many of you buy the no-name brand for certain things? Right? No shame. No name. Walmart, great value brand. It's great. We like to buy the no-name things. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's absolutely worth the money that you save. Sometimes you learn the hard way that it's worth paying more to get the actual good thing. There are things I will pay more for gladly every single time. Diapers. I will pay more for good diapers. It only has to happen once. <laughs> and you're like, this is never happening again. And you burn those diapers and you go buy good ones. It's worth it sometimes, but sometimes the no-name brand is just as good-ish. 
It's never really as good, but it's almost as good. And so um, sometimes the, the other brand is good, but I, I really like the way they're named sometimes. They are hilariously named because they're trying to look and be just like the real thing, but they're just going to be just a little bit different so they don't get sued, right? And so they come up with the funniest names, and, and food is the best cereal, specifically has some fantastic no-name brand titles, and so I'm going to go through some of my favorites today. Uh, the first one, Fruit Loops. Uh, Fruit Loops becomes Fruit Spins, which like doesn't even rhyme. That's why Fruit Loops works. It just rhymes. It's like they looked in a thesaurus and, and just looked up loop. They're like, spin. Yeah, okay, do that. Fruit spins. Um, the next one, Life Cereal. I love Life Cereal. But the, uh, live it up. What are you having? A big bowl of live it up. <laughs> Mark, you're in a great mood today. Well, my cereal just kick-started my day with a positive mood. Just living it up today. Uh, Crispix, I like Crispix. This is Crisp Six. <laughs> they get points for creativity, absolutely. Crisp Six. That's hard to say. It's a tongue twister. Don't do it in church. But Crisp Six. Uh, another one for Crispix, crispy hexagons. So that's that's at the opposite end of the creativity spectrum. Those guys, you know full well, that marketing team was sitting in an office Friday afternoon, 4.17 p.m. They're like, what are we doing? They're just crispy hexagons. Just go with it. Okay. Just mailed it in. Another good example of mailing it in, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, becomes just a bunch of cinnamon squares. <laughs> what you eating is just a bunch of cinnamon squares. I don't know why there's an elephant. It's cinnamon squares. Another good example here is Trix becomes just circus ball cereal. <laughs> what should our mascot be? I don't know, an angry monkey with a mohawk? <laughs> what should he be doing? He should weaponize the circus balls. That's what he should be doing. Sometimes with these brands, they just end up rhyming words. They'll make up words just because they rhyme. Apple Jacks becomes Apple Dapples. <laughs> apple, apple Dapples, that sounds like a response. It sounds like a saying. Right, like that's how you would respond to, hey, how you doing today? I'm just apple dapples. I'm just super duper. I could do this all day. I love this, but we're gonna, we're gonna end there. But this is, this is what I do when I'm forced to go to the grocery store, is you look at the fake brand names and they are the best thing ever. And um, what we discover sometimes is that when you buy the no-name brand, what you thought it was going to taste like is similar but not really the same. It's close, but it's not what we were hoping. Sometimes when you buy clothes that look like the brand or shoes that look like the, the expensive kind actually wear out way faster than if you had to just spent the money. Sometimes when you buy the dollar store iPhone chargers, they last once and they will give you 43% charge and then they will never work again. Right? They look Apple-y, they're white and they plug into your phone but they don't nearly do the job that you were hoping they would do, right? They, they look close, but they're not really the real thing. I remember seeing a really sharp-looking sports car downtown a couple weeks ago, and as I got closer to it, I saw the back of it, and it was a Saturn. And, and no offense if you own a Saturn sports car. Just throwing that out there. Uh, I cannot say, and the, I drive a 10-year-old minivan, 
with automatic sliding doors that are broken, so we all go through the front door, right? So I, I am in no position to make fun of your vehicle today. But listen, if you went out to buy a sports car, the first name you thought of wasn't Saturn. They don't even make cars anymore, right? It, it, you, you wanted the real thing, but you had to do with a reasonable facsimile, right? And, and the bottom line is that companies have learned to try and fake it, to, to just kind of get as close as they can. They try and mimic it, but here's the thing. We know when something's real. We know when something's genuine. We know when we're faced with a forgery or a sham. We know when we're getting tricked. And, and sometimes it's not even just with products, though. Sometimes people do this, too, don't they? It's like, well, I want people to think that I'm really in shape and athletic. And so they, they'll go spend a whole bunch of money on athletic gear and yoga pants. And they're like, look at how athletic I am. And they, they've never worked out in their life. Um, they're just trying to convince people that they are a certain kind of person. This happens a lot, especially like in high school. I remember I went to Kennebecasis Valley High. I went to a valley high. It's a real thing. 99% middle class white. And, and it is valley, and it totally was. But there was always this group of kids I went to school with that thought they were gangsters. And they dressed like it, and they talked like it. It's like, dude, I know you. You live up the street. Your mom's making you a sandwich right now. You're not dangerous. You are not a gangster. Like, we know when people are trying to trick us and lie to us about being something that they're totally not. We can spot a fake most of the time. Today, I want to talk about authenticity. I want to talk about the act of being authentic, of being the real thing. That's our, that's our life hack today, is authenticity. And, and just so we're all on the same page, it, it really is just the quality of being real, of being genuine. When it comes to people, you're not putting anything on, you're not wearing a mask, you're not performing for anyone, but it's the act of what you see is what you get. I'm authentic, I, I'm real. And we know when you see certain products now have to convince us that they're made with authentic, right? Made with real. So you know you're not getting a forgery. It's the real thing. If you go to a restaurant that says authentic Mexican food, then you hope they're not just microwaving Costco burritos in the back, right? Like, no, it's going to be authentic. It's going to be the real thing. And so we understand the main premise. And, and we really celebrate authenticity, People love it, and they applaud it, and they want it, and they demand it, especially younger generations that are growing up now. They've, they've grown up around suspicion. They've grown up around people fooling them their whole lives. They question everything now because they, they have been tricked. It, it, we don't like to be lied to. We used to watch the news and think, that is a reliable source of information. Not anymore. Now you watch the news and you're like, well, this channel's that way and this channel's that way and that channel lies. And you just, you have no idea anymore, right? Don't you look at everything now with just a little bit more suspicion? Wondering what's real and what's true? Are they telling the full story? What, what's really going on in the background, right? There's a good reason we want authenticity and it's because our world is lacking it. They're missing it, and people are missing it, which is why I think it's so incredibly important for us as the church, for followers of Jesus Christ, to speak and live and act authentically. Because there have been seasons in the church where some in the church and some churches where it was about show. It was about, well, I got to go here because it's what I do. I got to put my church pants on. Let's all go behave for an hour one day a week. But there wasn't anything authentic about it. 
for so many people, it's been cultural Christianity. It was just a thing that you did because that's what the rest of the world was doing, and there wasn't anything real about it. And so people have grown up around that, and now there's a ton of people who go to church with suspicion thinking, that's not legit. That's not real because they went and they didn't experience anything that was real. They experienced a show. Or, or they've had people in their life claim Christ but not live like it remotely, and they're thinking, ah, if really, that's Christianity? And so now they look at that with suspicion. It is so incredibly important that as followers of Christ, we live authentic lives. The world needs to see that we are for real. The world needs to see that Jesus is real. And so let's talk about authenticity. Let's talk about who we are, who we are in Christ, and what that means for us. This is about our identity. This big stuff, right? We can't be name brand. We can't be great value Christianity that kind of looks like it but really isn't. Crosspoint can't be the no-name Christianity where if you come, it kind of looks like we're doing church, but we're not. No, people need to see Jesus for real. They need to experience Jesus for real. No, no tricks, no sham, no deception, an authentic experience with the living God. Isn't that what we're all about? In fact, this was a huge deal for Jesus. It was a lack of authenticity that really infuriated him, especially with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees. Because these were the guys that knew better, right? A, a lot of the time, we give Pharisees kind of a bad name. A lot of these guys grew up with, with great motives. They wanted to be teachers. Maybe they felt a call. They studied the Bible. They had it memorized in huge passages. But along the way, they kind of lost focus. And it became a show for them. And they put on a very different picture in public than what was really being lived out in private. And that made Jesus angry. Matthew 23, he takes an entire chapter. He just like, it, it's harsh. You, you feel bad for them. He just unloads on them. So we're going to look at a little bit of Matthew 23 this morning, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So these are the guys that we have hired to teach the word. And so he said, so practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. They wear robes and extra-long tassels. They love to sit at the head table at banquets and the seats of honor at the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. They love to be called rabbi. In other words, they love all the power that goes with it. They, they love the, the authority. They love to be the smart, recognized people. I'm a Pharisee says they've got the correct answers, but they aren't living it out. It's not genuine, in other words. They're not authentic. They're not living it correctly. They preach a big show, and they want to look holy, but they're far from it. He goes on to say in verse 25, what sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy. Full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, 
and then the outside will become clean too. And, and that's just a glimpse of what Jesus says to them. That, that line, what sorrow awaits, uh, other translations kind of more famously say, woe to you. And he says it seven times in this passage. Woe to you, you Pharisees, because you say this, but you do this. You, you demand that, but you live like this. The bar is up here, and, and you're living down here, and it's not right, it's not fair. You're lying, you're tricking, you're deceiving. And, and he's just furious. He says, woe to you, look out. Because you preach one thing, but you don't live it out. In other words, you say you're delicious cereal, but you're crisp six. You look like the real thing, but you're a forgery. You're a fraud. It's not good. It's not good. And obviously, it upsets Jesus, and it upsets us. You don't like to be tricked, do you? Right? Like, you've all gotten those emails from an African prince. Just send me your bank info. I will send you $1 million. You're like, I am not a fool. Don't, don't, I'm not. Don't trick me. Or you get that phone call that says, you want a cruise. Like, no, I didn't. Quit lying to me. We don't like to be tricked. We don't like to be deceived. And, and so we, we got to be sure that we're not doing that to other people. We got to be sure that we're not living that way. But the question really is why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter so much to Jesus that his people would live authentically? I mean, really, at the end of the day, if people are learning from the Pharisees, isn't that okay? Well, there's a few reasons why it matters. The first one is this. It matters because Jesus is truth. He's truth. In Jesus, there is not one ounce of deception. There is not an ounce of trickery. He has never lied. He never will lie. He's not leading people astray. He's not setting them up for something that, that he can't kind of live out and follow through on. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't even just know it. I am truth. I am truth embodied. Everything about me is true. So wouldn't you think that his people should be the same way? If Jesus is truth, then his followers should be truth also, which means everything we say should be truthful, that our actions should be truthful. There should be no ounce of deception or trickery or fraud or forgery in any of us also. There shouldn't be. In fact, it is our enemy who is called what? The father of lies. That's what the enemy does, not God's people. And so when we speak truth and live truth, that's when we're showing people Jesus. That's when we're more likely to reflect Jesus. But when, when we're doing trickery, when we're saying, oh yeah, no, I'm a Christian, I'm, and, and you're not living it, what you're doing is actually a disservice to the name of Jesus. You're doing damage to the kingdom of God when you're lying about it. He is truth, and so we are supposed to be like him. And when we live and act authentically, then people are going to see the genuine Jesus. 1 John 1, 5 says, this is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. We are lying if we claim Christ with our mouths, but we don't live like him. That's why Jesus was so mad at the Pharisees. They were saying one thing and, and living another. They knew the right answers, but it wasn't making any difference in their life. 
That's, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? Especially for people who have been in church their whole life. You know the answers, but it's not making any difference in your life. May that never be said of me. How many sermons have we heard? How many times have we read the word? How many scriptures do we know? How many Bible stories could we recite? And I hope it has an impact on my life. I hope it changes me. I hope I allow it to change me. I don't want to be a liar. If Jesus is truth, then his people should be too. That's one reason why authenticity matters so much. Another reason is that it's so important for us to be authentic for the sake of our community, for our family. Right? We talked about this a few weeks ago, that we don't walk this road alone, but that we, are, we do this with each other, and it's because we need each other. Right? We, we help each other along the way. We grow together. We help one another. We fight together. We pray together. Right? So if I know someone's struggling with an issue, I can connect them with someone who has been through that issue. And they can show up and offer hope and encouragement and prayer and strength and support. If I know someone is grieving or mourning or hurting, then we can come alongside them and love and support and help and pray and lift them up. Right? We, we do this together. And we get to say to one another, let me help you carry this. Let me help you grieve through this. It's a necessary part about being the church. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. As iron sharpens iron, right? That's what the kingdom looks like. But here's the thing. If we're not being honest about what we're struggling with, then that never happens. Right? Our tendency, instead of being honest with, man, I'm feeling broken and messed up and I'm struggling, our tendency is to put on a brave face and be like, everything's great all the time. How's everything going? Just super. And you are dying inside. Right? We, I don't know why we do this. It's a pride issue. And, and we're trying to convince people that we've got it all together, all of our ducks in a row, or no struggles over here. I don't wrestle with sin. But what happens when you do that is you're going to suffer alone. You're not going to get better. You're not going to get stronger. You're not going to find victory. We have to be authentic with one another. And, and how many times have we just washed the outside of our cup? But inside is just a mess. This happened to me on uh, just this week. I got back from vacation, went into my office, found my favorite coffee mug sitting right there on my desk looking great. And I got it all the way to the Keurig, put the machine down, and looked in my cup. And apparently, before vacation, I left a little bit of coffee. Just a little bit. Thankfully, I drank it black, so it wasn't as horrific as it could have been. But I had a little science project growing in the bottom of my mug. It was nasty. Like, we, we can't be those cups. We can't just walk around trying to convince everyone that we're doing fine all the time. We've got to be able to say, you know what? I am, I am hurting. I am struggling today. I am wrestling with this thing. I'm feeling lost. I am feeling lonely. I need, like, that's when you're going to find support and help. That's when you're going to become more spiritually healthy and well, right? You, you can't trick people. We, we can't do that, right? It's like, you ever seen that dog on the internet sitting in a burning house that just says, this is fine? You ever see him? I got a picture of him, <laughs> right? Isn't that sometimes what we do when we try and trick people? Hey, how you doing? I'm just fine. Just, just apple dapples, just doing great right now. And we're not, we're, we're inside, we're just hurting. Listen, it's okay to not be okay. 
It really is. The kingdom needs to be okay with knowing there are people in our family who aren't doing well. So we need to love them and support them and help them. And it's all of us. Aren't we all broken? Aren't we all a little messed up? Haven't we all been sinners in need of grace? Absolutely. There's no point in trying to hide it from everyone. Iron can't sharpen iron if there isn't any pieces of iron going, no, I'm just, I'm fine, I'm sharp. No, it's not going to work that way. Authenticity will lead to spiritual health and wellness. It says, no, we get to grow, confess your sins to one another. Inauthentic people cannot confess their sins to one another because there's nothing to confess. Everything's great. The best thing you can do to combat your sin is to bring it out into the open. Is just call it for what it is. That's when the enemy starts to lose. You get an accountability partner, you find someone that you trust, and you say, I'm awful at this and I need help. And that, that is the moment the enemy starts to lose his power. Your two options with sin in your life is to confess or to conceal. That's it. One of those things will lead to your victory. One of those things will lead to your defeat. Confess or conceal. Right? Evidence of this is all through Scripture. King David, man, he messed up big time, and, and so he tried to hide his sin, adultery, and murder. Tried to keep it to himself, and everything was going terribly, spiraling out of control. And eventually, his friend Nathan comes, and he's like, dude, can you just be honest? What's really going on? And David confesses and repents, and that leads to his eventual restoration. Same thing happens with Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go here and do my will. And Jonah's like, I'm going this way. And he hops on a boat, and and this huge storm comes. And this is the worst trip on a boat that has ever happened. It is just pounding. The weather is not changing. The storm is not going away. And eventually, the crew on the boat is like, okay, what's going on? And Jonah's like, I have to confess. This is my fault. And eventually, that leads to his restoration. And God shows up and does what he needs to do. This happened with a guy named Achan. When Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land and and they were defeating all of their enemies, God said, you're going to defeat everyone you fight. And Joshua was like, woo, let's go. They had one rule. Don't take the gold from all the enemies that you're defeating. That Achan pocketed just a little bit. He was walking through the rubble of a house one day, saw some nice gold change, and he's like, yes, change, this is my thing. And he hides it under his cloak. And eventually God's people start to lose this battle. They're, they're starting to get defeated. And Joshua calls out to God. He's like, what's going on? You promised victory. And God's like, oh, you got a guy. And they eventually call the whole assembly. Someone's got to confess. And Achan's like, yeah, it's my bad. He pulls off his chains. And after he confesses, the Israelites go back to victory and restoration. We don't need to talk about what happened to Achan. Because I don't want to discourage you today. Hiding your sin is a poor way to conquer your sin. It has never worked and it never will. So we need each other to be real and to be honest and to say we're hurting and we're struggling. Will you help me carry this? Will you help me pray through this? That's why authenticity is so important. It will lead to your victory. Now, a couple of asterisks here. One is this. Authenticity is not a license for you to be a jerk. Right? Sometimes we, we get confused and we're like, oh, I'm just being real. I'm just saying, saying it like it is. 
Right? Someone's going to stand up and be real and say it, and that person is just a big jerk, and they're saying awful things, and they're the worst. It's like, no, no, listen, authenticity does not give you license to be a jerk. Scripture tells us about what it looks like to be authentic. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. I'm going to repeat that again. Let everything you say be good and helpful. One more time. Let everything you say be good and helpful. What thing? Everything. If you're about to say something, if something's about to come out of your mouth that is not one of those two things, then don't say it. This is what it looks like to be authentic, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Authenticity builds up and encourages the kingdom. It does not abuse and tear down. Don't use the excuse, I'm just saying it like it is. That's not necessarily biblical. We speak the truth in love. The other asterisk about authenticity is that being real about your sin does not mean that you just get to stay there in your sin. Right? Sometimes we're like, oh, I, just, I feel so much better that everyone else is a miserable sinner too. I just feel great that I'm not the only one who struggles and is, I think I'll just stay here and get comfortable. This is great. Forgiveness for everyone. Woo! No? No, you shouldn't stay there. Paul actually talked about that. He said, should we just go on sinning so that grace might increase? Should you just keep sinning because you know you're going to be forgiven? And he goes, by no means. Absolutely not. Authenticity is to help you conquer your sin, not get comfortable in your sin. And finally, really the biggest, most important part about authenticity, if you're a follower of Christ, is that this only works if you really know who you are in Christ. Sometimes the hardest part about being a Christian is believing who you are in Christ. Really believing it. You're not just some old sinner. Sometimes that's how we define ourselves, right? How we talk about ourselves and think about ourselves is so incredibly important. And then we go, oh, I'm just a lousy sinner. Woe is me, just a miserable wretch. Now listen, if we're going to be honest about ourselves, then we need to be honest about who we are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then it is no longer you who lives, but it is Christ who lives in you. That's who you are in Christ. The New Testament does not just sit there and say, you are broken, miserable, messed up. It does not say that you have gone too far, that you've sinned too much, that you're beyond hope. The New Testament says that your old life is gone and you have been made new. It says that you have died to that old self and that you are walking in a brand new way, that your life is hidden in Christ with God. It says that you are holy and blameless and pure, that you have been raised up with God, that you are a citizen of heaven. Now, right, you have people say, well, I just don't fit in with the cool kids. You're a citizen of heaven. That's your family. You have people say, well, I just, man, I'm not sure that I'm, I, I don't come from great stock. I don't come from a good family. I don't have the, the right last name. You are a son or a daughter of the king. The same man who, who molded the mountains and scooped out the Grand Canyon calls you his kid. That's who you are in Christ, that you are victorious, that you are more than conquerors. Not now, not, not some future version of yourself that you have to fight to get to, but right now in Christ, you are victorious. More than a conqueror today. This is who we are. We, we, we don't go back to the old self. You are God's masterpiece, he says. 
his masterpiece. We are recipients of God's inheritance. Like, is that not unbelievable? See, that's the problem for too many of us. It is unbelievable. So we don't believe it. And so we've got a hard time with authenticity because we think that we're someone that we're not. And there are way too many Christians who think too less of themselves. And it's time to believe that you really are who God's word says you are. It's time to memorize it and recite it and know it and walk in it and believe it and lean into it and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That I am a child of God. I'm not just a miserable wretch, rotten sinner. No, I was, but that's gone. Now listen, does that mean you're not going to make mistakes into the future? Absolutely not, but it doesn't negate what the Bible says about you right now. You are all of those things. That is who we are in Christ. Your life in Christ is victorious and holy and blameless and life-giving. It is abundant. Right? See, Jesus was so mad at the Pharisees for claiming to be so good, and they weren't. Sometimes I think we're, we're way on the other end of the spectrum. We think we're so bad and awful, and we're not. We're not in Christ. We are so much more. We need to be real about who we are. I want my life to match what the Bible says about me. I, I want my words and my heart and my actions and my faith to, to, to really reflect who Jesus says I am. I, I don't want my life in the Bible to be all askew. I want them to look the same. That's authenticity. I think Jesus' heart, I think it broke for the Pharisees. I think he was sad because they could experience so much more than what they were really living. I think he was angry because they, they were missing out on the joy of what it meant to really follow Christ. And I don't want us to miss that joy. I want you, when you walk out these doors today, to know who you are in Christ. Regardless of how badly you might mess up later this afternoon, still a child of God, still blameless and pure, that sin was forgiven. You didn't even know you were going to commit it. Good news, he forgot about it already. And so I want us to close today, and I want to pray for us. And I want this to be an encouragement to us today. And so maybe you're here, and, and maybe you've never made kind of a decision to say, yeah, I want Jesus in my life. I want that. I want to be pure and blameless and holy, and I don't want to have that life. I want to have hope and purpose and meaning. And so I want to pray for you today that, that, that maybe today is the day that you die to your old self, that your old self is gone, and today you become someone brand new. And so if that's you today, we'll just, we want to have a quick word of prayer with you. It's the greatest decision that, that you can make. And so if that's you, we're going to pray for you in just a minute. But I also want to pray for people today who are tired and exhausted and weary from, from trying by their own strength to be someone that the Bible says you already are. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work towards it. You are that today. I want us to walk in our real identity in Christ. I want us to be encouraged by that. I want us to have freedom in that. So let's, I'll get you guys to bow your heads as we enter into this time of prayer. And uh, if, if you're in the first category, if you need Jesus, and you know you need Jesus, 
Man, today is the day that you need to come to Jesus. And you need to say, God, I, I need you. I want to be made new and be restored and find hope and purpose and forgiveness. So I'm just going to ask you right now if you'd raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for, so we know who we can celebrate. If you say, I need Jesus today, would you just stick your hand up in the air? We'd love to pray for you. Amen. Amen. And if there's anyone in this room today who would say, I'm a follower of Christ, but I, man, I, what I read about myself in the Bible doesn't line up with the life I'm living, and I'm discouraged and weary and exhausted, and I want to really experience and be who Christ says I am, I just, I just need a prayer of encouragement today, a prayer of reminder today. Would you just stick your hand up in the air? We'd love to pray for you. Say, I, I need that encouragement today. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us today. Jesus, you are so, so good. And we are grateful that you're here with us. Father, for, for the person and those maybe who didn't raise their hand that needs you today, I just pray that they would simply say, Jesus, come into my life. God, I confess that I have messed up, but I want to be made new today. Would you restore me and forgive me? and make me a new creation. And Father, for those in this room that are weary Christians, God, I pray that you would help them today. Holy Spirit, come near to them and, and breathe hope and encouragement and grace and life and power into them today. May they walk with their heads held high today. May you constantly remind them of, of their status in Christ today. May the lies of the enemy be powerless today. And may we walk in freedom and, and power. Jesus, I pray for those people that raise their hands. Holy Spirit, come into them in a new, fresh, exciting way. May we walk in it and believe it and know it. Father, for all of us, we're just so grateful for who you are and what you've done. We give you the glory today. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and his church said, amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? He's good. So go today in his grace, in his power, and in his peace. Be blessed and encouraged. We love you. God bless. See you back here next weekend.